This is cool. I'm just going to preach to y'all. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Thank God I got a loud voice. One time I was in the dentist office. I started sharing the Lord with my, like, <laughs> hygienist. Literally longest dentist session of my life. If you're in a hurry, don't share Jesus with the person cleaning your teeth. Because they can't clean your teeth while you're talking. But anyways, there for like an hour and a half at least. And afterwards, I got a Facebook message from somebody I didn't know. It was like a friend of a friend. And they were like, hey... I was two stalls over, and I was so blessed by your words and singing about Jesus. She's like, I don't know if you know, but the entire dental office could hear you sharing your testimony. And I was like, oh my gosh. So it comes in handy nights like this. Um, you guys don't, uh, you, I guess some of you have your Bible apps. Those come in handy tonight. You don't need to do that. Um, but I'm just going to talk to us. Um, it's actually, I'm gonna, I really felt impressed from the Lord to do like three or four weeks on identity. Um, I heard last week was weighty, by the way. Woo! Pastor Robin Priest, is that true? Yeah, yeah, I've been getting all kinds of stuff. Like someone said, your mom just schooled the universe. And my mind is blown. I was like, yeah, that sounds like her. Um, but uh, two weeks ago, I preached on this call to love and this really this missional thrust that I feel like God is resting on us, and love needs to look like something, the gospel needs to look like something, and we need to be, like, you know, expressing love to the people God's called us. Um, and then I was reflecting, okay, Lord, what does that look like? How do we actually go and be a missional people? And the Lord just put on my heart, it's like everything you do, you, you operate out of who you are. He's like, so tell them who they are. Like, and I think this is a basic message, but I hope to really um, pull some new angles on this, but really going to talk about some dynamics of identity um, because if we don't know who we are, we won't do what we're called to do. Does that make sense? So Romans 8 talks about the all creation's groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. By the way, for all the ladies tonight, I'm just going to say sons because it's too much work to say sons and daughters. When I talk about the bride of Christ, I don't say a husband of Christ. So guys are brides, ladies, you're sons tonight. No one laughed at that. You really got to laugh at my humor tonight since there's no microphone. I can't hide behind it. But all creation is groaning. And it's groaning because it says all creation was subjected to futility and it's in bondage. And so essentially, and there's the freedom of the glory of the sons of God. So when the children of God step into who they are, they will begin to liberate this earth from the subjection of sin, the futility of it. So all creation's groaning for this revelation of the children of God. And our identity, uh, if we've been born again, is in Christ. Uh, in Ephesians, there's like, I'm just going to read like the ch- Ephesians chapter 1 to you. And just to get a glimpse of how significant this is all throughout Paul's writings in the New Testament. This is in the first chapter alone. There's like uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 references to in Christ or in the beloved or in him. Um, and there's things he says like, in him you've, ob- you've obtained an inheritance. In him you've uh, received the message of truth and obtained the salvation. Um, in him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in him you were seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Our identity is in Christ. Can someone get me a water bottle? Please? I'm going to die. Woo! Yeah. Okay. That'd be awesome. Okay, so our identity is in Christ, which is the most favored position in all of creation. Amen? 
Like the highest place that you could ever hope to go to would be in Jesus. Every time God looks at you, he can't help but see Jesus because it's where you live. It's where you're located. It is where your entire identity is found as a son or a daughter of God in Christ. Amen. Amen. Unfortunately, we've heard the term identity in Christ has become a a Christian cliche. Does anybody relate to that? Raise your hand. Not that I can see it, but I just want to see it to do it anyway. It's become cliche. Yeah, my identity's in Christ. My identity's in Christ. Thank you. We've got a baby water bottle. That will have like, last me five minutes. My identity's in Christ. Oh, my identity's in Christ. I was at a Christian university. This is like the tagline of all taglines. Oh, I know who I am. I'm in my identity's in Christ. My identity's in Christ. This is true. But I've seen so many people that the fruit of that statement is not in their life. Which to me, every time, the way I look at spirituality is that spirituality has to be grounded in something real. Right? Like, I call it an incarnational litmus test. If I want to find out if what I believe is real, there has to be fruit of it in my life. Right? You could say things like, people say, I know God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. But John says, if you don't love your brother and sister, how can you say you love God? Right? There's an incarnational litmus test. If you're not loving people, how can you say you love God? Amen? Amen? Like there's, God wants incarnational Christianity, incarnational spirituality. It needs to be flesh and blood. It says that the Lord, that Jesus came and tabernacled with us and the word became flesh. Right? And that same standard, that same call is on our lives. The word needs to become flesh. So when we say we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, I have an inheritance in him. I'm found in him. My identity is in him. I live in the most favored place of all creation. There better be fruit of that in your life. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. So that's what I want to kind of, I want to pull at an angle and look at a specific avenue that I use as a litmus test and I found that the Lord's discipled me in that really identified whether I was operating as a son of God or not. Okay? And where that really pertains to, and the word I'm going to focus on, is freedom. And I think one of the marking characteristics of sonship is freedom. Sons and daughters of God are free people. And tonight I'm going to kind of talk about where this freedom is found. And next week it's going to be what do we do? What does that freedom give us permission to do with? And then the, the following is going to be talking about the responsibilities of the freedom that we've been given. So really, this is like one big message. So I'd encourage you to be here because you're going to get wrecked tonight, but you're not going to make sense without the next two weeks, all right? Just, that was kind of good. Okay. Freedom. I use decision-making processes. So how we, use, how we make decisions is a huge window of insight to where we're finding our identity. God has given us, in his wisdom, free will. Right? We are not controlled beings that have no permission, that have no freedom. He's given us free will. He's given us the ability to decide things. He's given us the ability to create things. And he's bestowed freedom upon us every single day of our lives. Right? Nobody put a gun, I hope nobody put a gun to your head tonight and said, go to church or else. Right? You all chose to be here. Right? And there's things you do every day that are the result of the freedom God has given you. And so we make decisions on the regular. We make decisions like every minute of our lives. 
and how we exercise, how we make decisions, and specifically probably bigger decisions because they just we tend to think about them more, can be a huge litmus test to see if you really believe you're a son or a daughter of God. All right? Are you following me? I can't see you, so I need yes. more feedback tonight. Like, get me, get me amped up, okay? Normally, I'm looking at your faces the best I can. So our identity is actually a paradox. Sonship is a paradox. And it's a paradox uh, between being both a servant and a son. All right? And we need to understand both sides of this paradox um, if we are going uh, to fully step into our identity in Christ. Right? And this is a progressive journey. This isn't like you become a, a perfect servant, servant and then you become a son. Like you are, We are continually progressing in this life deeper into what it means to be a servant of Christ and also deeper into what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. All right? So like we're continually moving into both directions and there's, there's tension built within our identity. Uh, most of spirituality has paradox woven into it. It's just how God is. It's how he thwarts our minds. Um, in this paradox, I would like to propose to you that like the core issue with any paradox is you're trying to find what has precedence, which side of the paradox has more priority, right? And an example is like uh, with Mary and Martha, the story where Martha's working and Mary's sitting at the Lord's feet, right? There's a paradox in our lives between intimacy with Jesus and work, Right? And Jesus that day doesn't look at Martha and say, what you're doing is horrible. He looks at Mary and he says, you've chosen the better portion. Right? So he's giving a key to understand the paradox. The, the primary, what gives priority is intimacy with Jesus. Right? And we still are called to work, but what the priority is is intimacy with Jesus. Are you following me? So when we're looking at this paradox of servanthood and sonship, we have to understand that sonship is the goal. God's primary revelation in scripture is he's a father. And so our primary identity is sons and daughters, right? So we have to understand in this paradox, servanthood is given to actually support sonship, not the other way around, right? And this is going to make sense as we keep going. Okay. So, but servanthood in a sense is a foundation because it supports the revelation of sonship. Okay. And servanthood uh, is built primarily upon submission, right? So the first step into understanding our identity is one of submission unto Christ, right? We sang it tonight. You can have it all, Lord, every part of my world, right? I surrender all. I'm following Jesus, right? These are cries of submission, of surrender unto the Lord, right? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I do? He's actually pointing to a submission issue in his disciples, right? He's saying, I am Lord. I come as Lord of all. So I'm not suggesting things to you, right? He's expecting that there's a submission to his lordship that we become obedient, right? The highest form of servanthood is you become perfectly obedient unto the master, right? And that is what the Lord's trying to instill into each one of us. I mention this often. There's two very significant questions in our walk with God. One is, do we trust him? But two is, does he trust us? The process of submission is coming to a place of trustworthiness in the eyes of God. He trusted. I know he'll say yes to me. I know that he'll do what I call him to do. I know that she will not say no. Right? He's looking for submitted hearts 
unto the lordship of God. And we learn this through authority figures that are given to us by God in our lives, which starts with the family. Honor your father and your mother, right? Yep. Jesus demonstrates this himself, that he submits for 30 years. Luke 2 talks about that as a 12-year-old when he stayed in the temple, he went home and continued in subjection unto his parents. How important is it to God that he humbled himself to honor and to be submitted unto his earthly parents? Whoa, right? If perfect Jesus can submit to imperfect parents, we can submit to ours as well. Amen? Right? And we learn submission through, uh, through our parents. I would say that's the first gift God gives us to learn this submission, to learn obedience. Right? We also learn this from other, uh, other figures in our life, other authority figures. Right, such as spiritual authority, such as work, authorities at work, bosses, right, teachers. Like we, that we live in a world of authority. The reason we have authority is because we don't want to live in anarchy, right? There's authority abuses, absolutely, but we're still called to learn, right? We can have something to learn from authority figures, right? And if you look all throughout Scripture, uh, there are so many cases that if you want your vision fulfilled in your life, God starts by having you serve someone else's. Yeah, that's so good. Right? And just like uh, um, the disciples walked with Jesus for three years, serving his radical vision sometimes that made no sense. Right? Elisha saw, served Elijah. David served under Saul, and he was a psychotic lunatic. Right? And he wouldn't dishonor him even when he was trying to kill him. That's how much David understood authority, right? He didn't take things into his own hand. He was so submitted unto God. And that was how God trained David for his kingship. Right? So we're learning. We are called to learn. God will put us in situations where we have to serve other people's visions because he's establishing a trustworthiness in us. We need to see, are you submitted? Are you obedient? Right? And for me, I started ministry serving uh, another man's a wonderful pastor named Tim Bunn. And God graced me with three years to serve his vision. And so many times I'd be frustrated because it wasn't my vision. And I would pray. And the Lord, I remember there was always a place I'd go to in the church at night and I would pray. And the Lord started birthing this prayer in me. And this was my prayer for three years. God, I, I will serve faithfully and I want him to have all the fruit of what's accomplished. I just want intimacy with you. That was the prayer. That was what my grace was in that season because this was the understanding the Lord gave me. You're operating under his authority. So what you've been given has come from him. So what you create with that authority actually belongs to him. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. It didn't belong to me. It belonged to him. I built it, but he gave me the authority. Right? And there's this process and frustration and tensions at times. And there even came a point where it was like I had this decision where I could take this ministry that had developed. But the Lord said, I knew. I knew it wasn't mine. It never belonged to me. Because I didn't build it with my authority. I built it with his. Because he was my leader. And he was my authority. And he was my covering. And trust me, it was not always easy. It was frustrating. It felt like I was investing into obscurity. It felt like, oh, everybody else is out there getting theirs. And I'm building someone else's vision. Right? But the Lord taught me a lot in those years. And I thought that I would be there for like at least a decade. That was my plan. And that was what I felt the Lord continued said, no, give me more time. Give me more time. When he called me after three years, I was honestly shocked and I wasn't ready for it. And I just said, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Right? But he taught me something in that process. And I only highlight this 
is that this is not a popular topic in this nation today. Because we've seen authority abuse. And so many people have seen authority abuse. So they've thrown their baby out with the bathwater. And they say, no, I want independence and quote unquote freedom. Which means I can do whatever I want. And that's not, that's not the posture. That is trying to, that's taking, you know, Jesus talks about you only go by the narrow gate. And I'm going to use this slightly out of context, but in the realm of identity, if you try to cut in around the circle and shortcut sonship, you won't ever, you're not getting there. It's a counterfeit. People try to get, oh, I'm a free, I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, I'm free. But without the context of servanthood, right, which is the support, it's the pillar upon which sonship rests, right? If we don't learn what it means to be submitted under the lordship of Jesus and obedient to the people God puts over our lives, to the frustrations, to say, I am in, I don't care if I disagree, I'm going to do it anyway. When we can get to that type of place, we're, we're, we're positioned for a John 15 promotion, which Jesus looks at him and says, I don't call you servants anymore. Because the servants don't know what the masters are doing. Servants only know what the master tells them to do. It says, now I call you friends. This is after three years of walking with Jesus and being obedient to him. Now I call you friends. You following me? There's this submission that the Lord has to work in our hearts. And this is a wound that many people hold. And I'm not going to go into that. Other than saying that the Lord does not despise that wound and he has healing for you. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater and go all the way the other way. This is where people, you know, the mindsets of, you know, things like, you know, I, I love Jesus, just not the church. That's like saying, you know, I love Ben, I just don't like Ashley. <laughs> it's like, that's not cool with me, man. That's my girl. Right? That's my bride. Right? We can't, that, that's where we learn postures like this. It's coming out of woundedness. Right? And the Lord wants to redeem and restore your heart. And he wants to connect you with people. And he's going to, because ultimately if, if, we, if we can't get to that place of honor of our parents, honor of the people that God's given us, we're actually demonstrating we are not a man under authority or a woman under authority of God. Because authority comes from heaven. John says no man can receive something unless it's been given to him by heaven. Right? I'm going to leave it there. Um, I just kind of wanted to evoke some, some thoughts on that. Um, and really, uh, you know, we want to be people that God trusts. We want to be people that say, I trust him. He is submitted unto my lordship. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. And now we're going to jump over uh, to sonship. Man, this is crazy. I feel like I'm like monotone because I'm like yelling everything. <laughs> this is exhausting. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but it's good. So sonship. Servanthood is this realm of obedience, submission. Sonship is now this realm of freedom. And again, in this paradox, sonship is the priority. Sonship is the aim. Right? Sonship is what God is like shooting for. It's like his goal in mind. Right? So he's not wanting us to become obedient just so that we're like perfect slaves. It's so that we can have, it creates a capacity within us to actually understand the freedom that we have with the Lord and use it in powerful and dynamic ways. 
right? If we don't do the work of the submission, we won't get to the place where sonship can, can, can happen. And if you say, what does sonship look like? Look at the mighty men and women of God that have for thousands of years have done amazing things for the kingdom. You see the sons and the daughters of God. Look at the people that God's used to reverse the systemic brokenness and, and subjections and, and, you know, tyranny and anarchy and all these pains and addictions and slavery and all this stuff. The Wilberforces of the world, right? Then Mother Teresa's, all these people. Those are the sons and the daughters of God, right? And those types of ministries, those types of lives are, found, are birthed and supported by servanthood. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... The Lord spoke to me in a parable a long time ago um, when I was wrestling in this place of decision. So I'm, I'm, I haven't abandoned that. The way we use free will is a huge litmus test. All right, first, in obedience. Second, and more importantly, in freedom. And the Lord spoke to me. I was in the midst of wrestling with a huge life decision. I kept saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Tell me what you want me to do. Nothing. Silent. 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 I was like, what the heck? I want to be obedient. I want to be a perfect servant. And the Lord said, no, I'm not talking to that. This isn't about obedience. This is about choice. And I was wrestling. And the Lord spoke to me in this parable. So I just want to explain it to you the best I can. And I, and I think it will make sense. Um, I want you to imagine. You can close your eyes real easy tonight. Yeah. Anyway. But I want you to imagine like a medieval castle type, type um, like a village, right? Like where like there's a little village in the town surrounding the castle and the walls around the whole city, right? And there's a king that lives in the castle. For the sake of this story, he's a good king, right? And there are two people that I want to look upon. And there's a son that grew up with the king, and then there's a servant of the king, right? In the same little village castle, okay? And the Lord spoke to me this. And he said, Jordan, the servant has like the highest thing that a servant can accomplish is they can become perfectly obedient to me. So this servant can become perfectly obedient to this king. When he demonstrates obedience, when he does what he's told to do, he receives wages, right? Which is the fruit of his labor, right? And he's given these wages from what he works for, and then he lives his life out of the stewardship of these wages, right? And oftentimes, the bigger the decision Dealing with what he's been given and what he's earned, the bigger the scrutiny, the bigger the dilemma, the bigger the questioning, the confusion, the, the wrestling with the decisions, right? Because he's now considering, what am I going to do with everything I've worked so hard to earn? Are you following me? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does anybody relate with that? Yeah. I do, right? This is real. We're servants of God, right? We work hard and we get wages. Anytime a servant gets promotion, this is the fruit of one thing. You were doing your job really well, right? It's a reward for your labor. It's a reward for what you've done, right? And it's actually easy to get kind of puffed up about it, right? Woo! I'm promoting in my servanthood, right? They're still down there. I got called up because of what I did, right? And that's true. You following me? Lord said, this is the reality of a servant. He said, this is a son. He said, the son grew up in the castle. The son had connection with the father. And the highest form of sonship isn't perfect obedience. The highest form of sonship is you look like your dad. 
When you begin to look like your father, you begin to have access to your inheritance because your father trusts you with it. When you're living out of inheritance, you're not worried about big decisions. And oftentimes sons will take risks that look completely idiotic to the servants watching by. And the servants will say, what the heck are you doing making that type of decision? But the son's not doing it with anxiety and scrutiny because he's not making decisions with what he worked so hard for. He's, working, he's making decisions with what he's been given because of who he is. You following me? Yeah. His identity is not tied into failure. If a servant fails in a big decision in an endeavor, it's tied, I just wasted everything I worked so hard for. If a son fails, he just kind of gets back up and goes again because I know where my inheritance comes from. The king. When a son receives promotion, he doesn't get puffed up because he didn't get the promotion because of what he did. He got the promotion because he knows his father saw himself in him. And so again, the whole dynamic I'm trying to build is servants are so attached to what they do. Sons are attached to who they are. Amen. Right? Sons, it's about their connection to the father. Servants, it's about what they're doing. And so when we get the paradox tilted and servanthood becomes the priority of our Christian experience, we get performance mentality, we get pride, we get, we get confusion, we get anxiety because it's tied up into us. When servanthood is just supposed to support the revelation that we are sons and daughters of the king and that we have an abundant inheritance and that we have freedom. And that all he needs is he just wants to see himself in us. And he will trust us with steward us with more and more and more. And we're not going to have the opportunities aren't going to go away. Right. There's not like a scarcity of opportunities. Yeah. He's a king. Yeah. Can you imagine if Donald Trump was your dad. That's a bad imagination. I know. <laughs> but could you imagine Donald Trump being your dad and you worrying when you get a job offer that you don't quite have peace. But it's like. So much money. Could you imagine if you, he came to you and be like, dude, I don't know if I say no to this, if another one's coming. They'd be like, what? Your dad's Donald Trump. Right? This is what we do all the time. We say, oh, my dad's God. I'm a son of God. And then we worry about these little things. Like, like oh, I'm taking this big risk. And everything could fall apart. It's like, well, what's going to happen? <laughs> Are you living out of wages? Or are you living out of inheritance? Are you living out of what you've done? Or are you living out of what he did? I hear someone laughing. That's good. Freedom is where we learn to become like the Father. Obedience, we learn submission, but it's in freedom, it's in choice, it's in opportunities that we're presented with thousands of times a day is where we learn to become like the Father. It's our testing ground. Contrary to what a lot of people seem to believe, God doesn't control every detail of our lives. Right? We don't like live these little little robots. I'm a little robot just doing this nice little robot dance as the Lord's moving my hands everywhere. That is not what he's done. Because God is a God of love. And to have love, there must be choice. 
And that's why where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. So when we get to heaven, guess what there's going to be a whole lot of? Freedom. Right? And where freedom is, there is choice. Right? So I'd like to suggest that, yes, there is a portion of our lives, and I'd say even a portion of every day, that we still are growing in servanthood. We are being obedient. We do not have choice in. We are doing what he's telling us to do. But I'd like to suggest the bigger portion of our lives is consisting of freedom, where God has taken his hands back and given us the ability to choose. And what he's wanting to step back and see is when are my sons and daughters going to step into who they are and begin to manifest the love of my son with all that they do? I'm going to tell you a story that is going to like to get this in your mind. All right, when we were young, me and my brother were two years apart. He was real chubby, <laughs> real chubby. And his favorite part of summer days was when he hear the <laughs> ice cream man. Right? I'm sure people can relate. I literally have a memory one time of the ice cream man was down the road by the time we got out. And he was running down the sidewalk singing, Stop in the Name of Love. <laughs> Stop in the name of love. I was like, oh wow, that's too much love, Riley. It's just ice cream. <laughs> Anyways, so it's a day, you hear the music, it's coming. He starts running through the house, Mom, Mom, give me some money, give me some money. My mom's like sitting reading a book. And she's like, no, if you want one, find some change. And we had like probably six junk drawers. He's scrambling through them all, finds his money, and as he's running out the door, he goes, Mom, do you want one? She says, yeah, give me some whatever, bomb pop. Is that what it is? There we go. She got it. Thank you. Give me a bomb pop. Give me a bomb pop, right? See, he comes back five minutes later, hands her the bomb pop. She's stoked, reading her book, licking the bomb pop, and then she looks up. A few minutes later, he's sitting right across in a chair, just beaming, looking at him. And he, she goes, where's your ice cream at? Because I only had enough for one. And immediately, yeah, everyone always says that. <laughs> I need to change the story to me. <laughs> she immediately grabs her purse, grabs a $5 bill and says, go, get whatever you want. One day as I'm meditating on the sonship thing, the Lord speaks to me and he says, do you know why that story moves everyone? And it just hit me. He said, if your mom would have said, take the money and buy me a bomb pop with it instead of yourself. He said, that would have been tough obedience and obedience has a reward. He said, but that's not what moves your mom. That's not what moves all of you. So why that touches people is because he did it of his own free will. That was his own initiative. I choose to take in this place where I have complete freedom. I choose to express myself in self-giving love. And in that moment, my mom looked at him and saw that, right? She saw a son of God in the making. And immediately, her first thing was the money. Here's the inheritance. I trust you. 
right? Like there's something that takes place. And I believe that there are so many times in our walk with God where his voice is silent because he's creating the capacity for us to decide. And he is sitting back patiently waiting to see, where is my son? Where is my daughter? Right? And in that void, he's not going to force it. He's not going to manipulate it. He's not going to ask for it. He's simply going to wait and he's going to prod and he's going to do, you know, he's going to, he's like, he's, he's getting us in the best place, but he's waiting. He's waiting with all creation and he's groaning in intercession. And Jesus is longing in intercession. And the Holy Spirit is crying in intercession for the sons and the daughters of God to recognize what they've been given with this freedom and to create something that moves his heart and blesses the world. In that place, he begins to bestow upon us our inheritance. Right? That's the promotion that we're looking for. That's the upward call of God. That's where it comes from. It's not from praying a whole bunch. That's good. That's part of servanthood. And even I'd say sonship in some ways. I'm not going to get into that. Right? But there's so much we do that's servanthood. But that's not what God, that's not what gets into inheritance. Servanthood gets wages. It's what we do with freedom that dictates our access to what belongs to us. And until we do the work of servanthood, we're not in the place to do it, right? It's this, you're following me here on this paradox. Um, we have been given in the Great Commission, right? Go. Go and preach the gospel. What light, when we're driving, says go? Green. Green light. We are living in a time in this special sacred paradigm of our relationship with God where it is a green light Christianity. Go! Go! Go and preach the gospel. Go! If it's in your heart, go. Right? And we are not living... So many people, I see it. I talk with you. You tell me things. It drives me nuts sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, I really have a passion to do this. And just waiting for God to tell me to do it. Right? There's times the Lord says no. That's when he gives you a yellow light. You stop. Okay, this is not autonomy. Right? We're still conversing with God. But we have a green light unless he tells us no. We don't have a red light until he tells us go. He told us go 2,000 years ago. So unless he gives you a caution, unless he gives you a red, you go. Right? I have a burden for that person. I'm waiting for God to tell me to call him and take him out to lunch. Go! I got a passion for the refugees. I'm waiting for God to give me a vision about what to do. Go! Go! You got permission to go! Because you're not a servant, you're not just a slave. You're a son, and you're a daughter, and you have this glorious freedom, and it's time to start exercising it in a way that moves his heart. Right? There are some big decisions in my life where I've been stuck, and I wanted to, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And God gave me, no, go. Trust me, because it's scary. When you step out and God didn't tell me to do this, you're scared. Is my dad, is he really with me? Is he really going to show up? I'm just going to be completely honest with you all. Now that we're a year in and you're all here, God never told me to plant this church. I actually brought it to him. And he gave me peace. So what? What? God didn't tell you? No. No. I brought it from him. 
I started the conversation. So this is in my heart. And this is in a context that for about many times coming up, I actually had no peace. No, 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 no. And then there was one day, conversation, peace, and I knew it. Okay, I'm going to do it. Was I scared to death? Oh my gosh. Still am, all the time. <laughs> like, you are with us, right, Lord? Right? And then I have a conversation with Pastor Jamie, who's like, yeah, I feel like God's calling me to move my kids, move up from Arizona, leave my church, come and help you. I was like, oh, God, you're with us. <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't told him that God never told me to do this, so hope you're so happy to be here. <laughs> okay, but I'm telling you this to say I've made huge decisions that have drastically impacted my life, and I have yet to see him fail me. Amen. All right, I'm gonna. Are you? Can I share one more thing? Yeah. Okay, two people. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna end with this. Um, it's the story you've all heard um, of the the prodigal son, and. Uh, I, I wanna, this is what I want to pray for, is that there's a gridlock. There's a gridlock that we get stuck with, and I want to pray specifically into this. But uh, the story of the prodigal son, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the prodigal son. I'm going to talk about the older brother exclusively right now. But there's, uh, this is, you can read it later. It's in Luke 15. And uh, basically, I'm just going to, because you can't follow with me, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But there's a story, right? The prodigal son comes to the father says, I want my inheritance. In Hebrew culture, that meant younger brother would get a third of the inheritance, older brother would get two-thirds of the inheritance, right? It was just divided right down the line. That's how it worked. So it says the father divided his inheritance amongst his two sons, right? One-third to the younger son, the rest belonged to the older son. You following me? The son goes and squanders his stuff. He comes home. The father's so happy to see his son home. He throws a party, slays a fattened calf, and the older brother comes in from the field, and he gets ticked off. You familiar with this story? Yeah. You know why he gets ticked off? <coughs> nope. You don't. You don't have to familiar, I guess. <laughs> Tell you next week. <laughs> he gets ticked off, and this is what he says. He says, you've never even given me a goat to have with my friends, and yet this son of yours comes home, you throw him a party. He's ticked off. He's saying, I've worked my butt off for you. I've done everything you've told me to do. And then this kid comes home and you give him a party. You never even gave me a goat. He was a perfect servant and he was completely blind to who he was as a son. Because this is what the first thing the father says to him. He says, everything I have belongs to you. Because the inheritance was divided at the beginning of the story. Two-thirds. Everything that was left was his. And he'd been waiting for his dad to give him his inheritance as fruit of his labor. Yeah. I've worked so hard. Why aren't you giving me my inheritance? And his dad said, you don't get it. It all belongs to you. So he literally had his inheritance in front of his face. He could have taken that goat anytime he wanted but he was bound. He was bound. He only knew he was a servant. Completely blind to the reality of his sonship. To the point that he got furious. He got furious because he's saying, this son didn't work for anything. You gave him a party. His dad's saying, don't you get it? It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. You're my son. 
It all belongs to you. Right? And so many in the church, older brothers, do it. have been grinding away for years, doing the right thing. Right? And I've seen it. This is so much of my, how God discipled me. Younger brothers, people that weren't doing it. Why is God moving in their life so significantly? I've been doing everything. Because they're sons and they're daughters and they know it. You're still caught up in your performance. Time to bring that back into alignment. Your servanthood is to support. It's to prepare you for the moments of choice and freedom that happen every single day. Following me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to end it right there. We don't have uh, pretty music to make it sound nice, but I feel like I just want to, um, I want to pray. And I want to invite you, um, if you just say, you know what, uh, that's me. I'm an older bro. I recognize that there's been poor stewardship of freedom in my life. Um, I just want you to stand up right now. Awesome, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for freedom. We thank you, God. Uh, that you love us, that you love us. And I pray, God, tonight that you just unlock hearts, God, that you just unlock mindsets, God, that you open blind eyes, spiritual blind eyes, God, to see, God, to choose the better portion, God, and to enter, uh, to, be those, the, to be the ones that, that, that get ice cream for, for their moms, God, to be the ones that make the decisions of their own free will. God, I just pray that just an unlocking and a healing right now. I thank you, God, that you have not uh, left us as orphans, but you sent your spirit as the spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Abba, Father. And I pray right now for the spirit of adoption to fall upon every... Yeah, God, the spirit of adoption... The spirit of adoption in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing, God. Let right there, God, from darkness to light, open the eyes of hearts right now from darkness to light, God, to see and perceive with you, God, that there is freedom, that there is liberty. God, and we just ask for identity healing tonight in the name of Jesus, God. And I pray uh, that you just, God, I just... I don't even, you just prayed. I don't know what to say now, God. The lights came on. Let the lights turn on in the hearts of your sons and your daughters tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, God, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. God, I just thank you, God, that what you're doing is so significant. And I just feel like, I just feel like the Lord's saying, like, cherish this moment. Like, hold it. Like, grab it by the horns. And I just feel like the Lord, just like for you that are standing, I want you to just engage and I want you to stay and engage. Um, and, and just like, I just feel like the Lord, there's things that the Lord wants to speak to you. Um, so God, I just pray that every word, that your voice will speak and it will penetrate hearts tonight in Jesus' name. And I just feel like there's something taking place. There's something taking place. And I just feel like veils are being removed. He's circumcising hearts. 
And I feel like God just, as you're just exposing your heart and the Lord is, the Lord's touching you right now. So God, I pray that your fire will fall and that it will touch hearts right now. God, and I pray, God, just for a softening and an awakening, God, and a turning from from the, 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 the sin, God, and to the glory, God, from the striving and to the sonship. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I want everyone to stand up with them. Stand up. I'm just going to pray a blessing. That's crazy, man. Oh, it's only 7.30? Alright, stay. You can go after the song's over. <laughs> I just want to be sensitive to your time. So Lord, I just pray right now for the spirit of adoption to fall and manifest as we sing these words, God, that they won't just be a good, cool, catchy song, God, but that we claim it in the depths of our hearts, that we are not slaves to fear, that we are not bound in insecurity, and we're not bound in thinking that we're not worthy enough to make decisions and to ask for our inheritance and to step into it. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that your fire falls, that you anoint, God, that you manifest on us, God, and that you release the spirit of adoption in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.